Here we go. Here we are once again, back again, time and time again. Hello, all you wonderful people out there in the interwebs. My name is Tony Spears, and this is Spears on Point, where I am going to be talking about basically current events and what is going on in the world and how it affects me mostly emotionally, <laughs> sometimes mentally, and uh, just wanting to bring a, a conversation into the ether and to just talk about things. And every once in a while, I will have a guest on. Um, in fact, most time I will have a guest on. I was going to have the uh, founder and CEO of Blind Knowledge, one Joey B, on here. But unfortunately, he came down sick. So he, uh, I mean, granted, he gave me plenty of lead time, letting me know that he wasn't going to be able to make it. But then I was like, ah, I got to do this on my own. So, you know, first episode, uh, not exactly as planned. But you know what? If it's if I am nothing, I am uh, adaptable and resilient and uh, able to fly by the seat of my pants when I have to. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, not to fly by the seat of the pants. Mostly adapt and be resilient. Some pants flying, though. Pants seat flying. Flying. That's what we're doing tonight. We're going to fly. But so what are we talking about? What are we lining up for the very first episode of Spears on Point? Well, I'll tell you, we're going to start with something that was announced a, a little while back, about two weeks back at this point, and made some waves in certain places, but not in you know, what you would consider all the places, but, uh, test, test, you are, uh, test testing there cage. Oh, so for those that don't, uh, know we are live on, uh, Twitch and then obviously distributed out to all the places on the internet world where you'll be able to get this. So if you cannot see my lovely face, which I only know that it's lovely because my mom tells me it is, um, then we will, uh, be, bombarding your ears with all of our awesome over on the audio portion of this podcast or audio version as it were more so but there will be some uh, chat interaction and everything so just remember that hey dude you know you're streaming to kick right <laughs> yes yes i do actually i do uh i'm i'm also giving things a shot over on kick because it's it's hot and exciting and it gets the people riled up. Um, so what are we talking about today? Well, first we're talking about what I have going on here. So um, right now I'm sitting in front of a Coke Zero with a glass of water next to me because you always needed a lubrication backup. And uh, yeah, in my nice little home office here, this is about as homegrown as it gets. Luckily, though, we have uh, all the tools that we need in order for this to be awesome. So it's just going to be awesome. And then what are we talking about tonight? We're going to be talking about, like I said, something near and dear to my heart and something that I feel like we need to talk about slightly deeper than just the impact that it has at face value, but like secondary and what I feel like are like third order effects as far as it's... Um, the, the ripples it's putting into the pond. And that is the cancellation of the third year in a row for uh, E3 or the Electronic uh, Entertainment Expo. So for those that do not follow in the circles that I primarily follow in, uh, E3 is, well, was the largest industry event of the year every year. And basically what it was, was the gaming industry coming together to showcase everything they had coming up for the year, going into the holiday season, uh, showcasing new tech, you know, everything from uh, console launches to like peripheral announcements and everything. Like some of the biggest, some of the biggest announcements in 
gaming and entertainment came during E3. And it's it's crazy when you think about like the Wii, which is one of, still one of the best selling consoles in history, was announced at E3 to very mixed reviews. A lot of people were like, what is this weird, thin, little rectangle that they're holding up? Like, why is Miyamoto holding this thing up? Like, hey, check it out. Actually, I believe it was uh, Shigeru. No, it, it wasn't Shigeru Miyamoto. I believe it was uh, it was Iwata that announced it. Or it might have been Reggie Fizume. Anyway, doesn't matter. The point being is that like some of the biggest announcements to shape gaming and to shape the culture of gaming came during E3. Not to mention like, you know, consoles and hardware and things like that. Like we got, you know, everything from the freaking from the the PSVR to the the Wii music to I mean, there's been there's been great things and there's been some less than stellar things that came out of E3 as far as announcements, but the point being is that it's a place where the industry comes together to essentially show all of the shiny and it's been a mainstay it's been like one of the primary pillars in gaming forever uh pk in the chat says the first big one was e uh, from e3 i remember was project natal which later became the connect and premiered the year after the week exactly like the so many people have like memories tied to things they saw at E3 and it was a, it was an event it was a yearly event like there was only a short amount of time where they were allowing the public and you know allowing you know Joe off the street you know me for example to just walk on in and be like hello Mr. Video Game I would like to play the video game but for the longest time it was this like it was like a a secret meeting that you got to see and get to hear the cool rumors from. No, I actually like secret meetings, not the best way to put it. It was like a circus that you only got to see from the outside. All of this stuff is going on and there's these booths and there's, there's different uh, games being demoed and shown like, you know, some of them are just a vertical slice of very small tailored, uh, experience for uh, games media to check out so that they can write reviews and things like that. You know, some of it are huge trailers of like some games that were leaked and anticipated, other games that no one saw coming. Um, I remember when the very first, um, the very first trailers for Breath of the Wild were being shown. Everyone was like, I don't know. Like, you know, there's a lot of like images and stuff floating around, but no one had seen video yet. And then when they finally did show the actual trailer for Breath of the Wild, it it blew the roof off of the freaking, off the convention center there in LA. Because it was like nothing anybody had ever seen before. And it was this monumental occasion where not just people that made games, but the people that that covered games, games media, um, you know, different outlets, everyone, everyone from, you know, professional journalism to your less than professional, more amateur outlets and things like that. Individuals that just, you know, had YouTube channels, blogs, whatever, were all going to try and, and chip away at the rock to try and get the little nuggets of information and like the little, you know, a, maybe a, an interview and a quote here from this person and maybe they get to you know take a video of some gameplay from this one it became like i said like such an event like i, I don't want to be hyperbolic and say that it was the you know the the olympic games the super bowl of video games but it really was in a lot of ways and for people like myself and others that really like the you know the the spectacle the showcase of it all it was very much a thing of wanting to like partake in it with everybody. Uh, Cage again says E3 was also one of the only ones to be broadcast on on cable TV. Yeah, exactly. I mean, back in the days when you still had G4 TV and things like that, tech TV, 
and uh, different channels like that. Like that was like that was a week on G4 was covering freaking was covering E3 and it, like you wrote it in on your calendar. I used to write E3 week on my calendar so I could go and I could like, you know, check out different websites. I could check out, you know, IGN or GameSpot, Giant Bomb, different outlets and see their coverage and to, you know, to try and get a look behind the curtain. That was always the big thing. It was the look behind the curtain. And it's funny because when you look at other industries and things, right, there's nothing else like it out there for other industries. Like movies don't do this. You have awards for movies. You have the Oscars, right? You have the Academy, you have the Academy Awards. Uh, like, you know, all the different industries have their own, you know, awards. You have Grammys. You have uh, the Tony for uh, for stage acting, things like that. But no other industry gave you at the time that like sneak peek. Disney kind of does it now. Disney kind of does it now with uh, there's the, the the Marvel fandom event where you get to see some sneak peeks of stuff that's coming out, like different shows and things like that. And and that's cool. But that's just one outlet. Like aside from that you have like movie previews but there's never like an event it's not it's never a like everybody come here and we're all going to see you know the trailer for this thing you have other you have like festivals and things like things like that like sundance and stuff like that but the point there isn't to go and see what's coming out it's to see what's already been made you know it's not a it's not this like like moment where you're looking forward that's what E3 always was E3 was always that reassurance that games were moving forward, right? Because even if you weren't getting new technology, if you weren't getting a new, you know, console or some, you know, giant leap in the way that things worked, you were at least seeing new games coming out and how those games were changing tech, how different engines were being implemented in order to change the way that the games were made or just, I mean, there's a there's like a eight to nine year window where year over year the graphic the the graphics quality of games coming out of E3 were increasing exponentially. Like I remember the first E3 I I ever saw televised, they were still showing it was like late PS2. And then the following year or the year after that. They announced the PS3 and everyone's losing their minds because look at these freaking games. Holy crap, look at the 360. It's nuts. And so now you have this, this cornerstone, this pillar of, of the culture is, is essentially defunct. And it sucks. It sucks because it's, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword. Part of it is E3 doing it to themselves. Uh, the ESA definitely wasn't helping their own cause because they just, I just, ugh, they didn't know how to run it. Like they just don't know how to make it appealing because in, t in this day and age in 2023, these companies are just doing their own or you have much smaller dedicated circles that are doing their own like they're only little like mini get togethers. And, and I say get together, but like the example I was going to use is PAX. PAX isn't a get together. PAX is a convention and PAX is cool. But PAX's original purpose was never to, to announce and showcase games. It was a place where you went and played games, which you still do now. I mean, the last PAX I went to, I played more games than I, than I, than I didn't. In fact, I, I, I would almost say I played too many games. It, it was great. I'm not going to sit here and complain. I definitely got my money's worth out of the experience. But, you know, it was a thing of like, there was almost too much to play, you know? Again, still not playing. Still not complaining. But now you have these individual outlets that can essentially do it themselves. And like Sony does their state of play. Nintendo does their directs. And it's all well and good. But it's missing soul to me and that's where i'm getting at with the 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 culture uh like comparison of the whole thing is that it's never like yes like the business is there and the 
and the companies are there in order to do business and to try and appeal to their audience so that people will either pre-order or buy the game when it comes out or buy the hardware when it comes out. But there, it was so organic feeling and it felt so much like them, them trying to come to you and meet you in the middle. And now it is just them showing you everything behind the glass and being like, yeah, but it'll be here when it gets here. Like there's no, there's no sense of urgency now. Uh, Cage says it wasn't a gaming expo initially either. It started with Sony and Microsoft showing new developer tech like engines, TVs, LCD plasma systems. Yeah, it was, it was a lot like, um, like CES. They were very similar in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And then after a while it geared more toward games and that's just kind of what it became. But I mean, all those things evolve. While showing out the PS3 and Xbox 360, they put sneak peek of trailers and the phenomenon blew up. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a, it's crazy to think of what E3 was at the, at its like, at its height, at its like most bombastic. There were like, there were huge booths, like just ridiculous showcase and like a, I hate to say dog and pony show because I don't mean it in a, in a derogative manner, but like it really kind of, it really was, it was, it was a freaking circus. It was a freak parade and it was rad. It was awesome. It was, it was so cool to be able to have that event where it was cool to like games because they were announcing games. Cause when E3 was initially coming out, it wasn't cool to like games. Now everybody plays games to a, to a greater or lesser extent. But like when you were in those circles, like I was in when I was in high school, right? Like I was not, <laughs> despite what you may believe, I was not popular in high school. And so when you suddenly have this event that is geared directly toward the thing that you're passionate about and that thing you're passionate about maybe is at the time very niche or not considered, you know, mainstream in any way, shape or form. Like that's a big deal for you. That is a that's a big deal for the industry. It's a big deal for everybody. And now it's gone. And the thing is, is you know, a lot of people are like, now the question is, will it come back? Because before, when they, you know, when the pandemic happened, everything shut down. So E three missing twenty twenty that made sense. Everybody missed twenty twenty. The world missed twenty twenty. Then you have you know, 2021 and, you know, it's, things are still a little dicey, probably not going to happen. We're going to try and do it. Uh, we're trying to do it online though. So we'll still be able to get some announcements out there, but probably won't do in person. And if we do, it'll be super small. <clears throat> and then 2022 rolls around and they're like, Hey, you know, it's not quite, uh, not quite there. Not quite where we need to be. We're going to get this figured out. 2023, this is the year we're going to smash. We're going to kill it. It's going to be amazing. And then 2023 rolls around. And the statement is, E3 simply did not garner the sustained interest necessary to execute in a way that would showcase the size, strength, and impact of our industry. That's... Like, no, we are <laughs> like, we have new consoles out in the wild. Now they're much more available than they were the past two years because of supply chain issues and everything else. Gaming is at a, at a almost breakneck speed of innovation and like new hot, like IPs and games and titles and things coming out. <clears throat> and you're saying that the largest gaming expo in the world does not garner the strength and attention necessary to put on the show. And what it really boils down to is the fact that for the past, God, I, too many years to count, Jeff Keighley has came in and, and ate their lunch damn near every time. Like, 
is, I mean, and, I, and I'm not complaining. Summer's Game Fest and the Game Awards are rad. Like, they are great events. The Game Awards are awesome. I love watching the Game Awards because it is much like the Oscars. It is great to see people in games be recognized, but it's not E3. So is there space for both? Maybe. You would think. There's obviously evidence to the contrary. And then you have Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft. You have the big three doing their own showcases, right? Like I had mentioned before, you got the Nintendo Directs that while they are the most sterile things I have ever seen in my, as far as far as like production is concerned and like the way that they're presented, the way that they, oh man, it's just like, it, it looks like it was ran through an autoclave, scrubbed clean and then dipped in bleach. And then they're like, Hey, uh, yep, this is the message. And then it like, I swear, it's like when you hit the play button, it you can hear it squeaking. Ugh. There's just no, like, like I said, there's just no soul to it. And then, you know, Sony State of Play, it's Sony out there trying to still wave around, you know, that they're the biggest swing and dick in the room, trying to showcase all their games. And really all they're doing is just proving over and over again that there is a specific type of game that Sony makes. And that's that's fine. There's a reason for that. And there's a reason why they're successful at doing it. Right. Like when you think of like the big E3, like, sorry, the big uh, Sony state of play uh, announcements over the past couple of years, it's been God of War, God of War Ragnarok, The Last of Us remake, uh, well, The Last of Us 2, then The Last of Us remake. It's all of these single player story driven games. It's just it's just them being like, yo, we make Sony games. So here's Sony telling you about Sony games. And again, that's fine. That's what they do. But like, do I need to hear Sony talk about how Sony they are? Probably not. But they will anyway, because you're going to watch it because you want to know what to look forward to the next year or possibly two years or whatever. And then Microsoft does uh, their ID at Xbox and a lot and a couple other smaller things. Because Microsoft kind of has their tendrils in quite a few things at this point. But they're so hard in on Game Pass that it's really just a matter of like, hey, man, you know, we're really still trying to figure out what we're doing with uh, Halo Infinite. So in the meantime, here's these 10,000 freaking games from different publishers and uh, developers that we have acquired. And we're just going to put them all in Game Pass. So, yeah, man, just give us 10 bucks a month and you can play all of them. Have at it. Enjoy. And then, you know, just turn the lights off and just see themselves out. And it's like, oh, what, what am I watching? What is this? Like, I know, like, what, 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 like, what is new? Like, what is, what is coming out? It's, like I said, it just, it feels so soulless. There was something about a, a fostering of, of culture that came from the experience of E3 that I feel like is now lost. Cage asks, what's the difference between hearing talk about them at their own events versus at E3? It's the same presentation, just just without daddy? Hmm, daddy. Well, I mean, I mean, my dad never went to never took me to E3. I didn't have a rich dad like that. That'd have been sweet though. No, but the difference though is that because E3 was an outside event. Because E3 is going to be held at a place at a time on this date, companies had to make companies had to make themselves presentable. Now they can take as long as they want creating the perfectly manicured product to present through their own channels at any time they want. The difference is that like you don't get to see warts and all of the things that they're presenting, and sometimes that's important, especially in games media and games journalism. When you have things like, for example, for example, The Last of Us uh, remake, right? Everybody is up in arms because it's running like absolute garbage on PC, like the PC port is. But that was never presented by 
PlayStation, right? Like they showed you what they showed you, but it was running on their hardware. And it was probably so chopped up and so and so buffed that even if there had been issues and, you know, bugs and bumps and things like that, you weren't going to see it anyway. But if it had been presented to the public as a as like a, you know, as a presentation of the product to be shown to someone who's going to report on the product, there is, there is always a chance of being able to actually see where, you know, where the rough spots are. And it's not to say that like games media's job is to go and, you know, sniff and sift and, and look through all the garbage to find what's wrong. But it is important to present a true product to like present the true, like the, like the actual thing that you're selling to the consumer, the way that the message is being presented now allows for these companies to, like I said, to so overly sanitize that message that it can just be presented as like, Oh my God, this, this game is going to be so freaking rad. I, I can't wait. I cannot wait to freaking refinance my house so I can afford a PS five to play this game. I can't, I can't wait. I'm going to go start donating plasma now. Like it, I just, I feel like, again, I feel like there has been soul taken out of, out of the culture, out of the, the, the way we used to celebrate games. Now it's just so much of just anticipation. It's so much of, of the gatekeepers of the people holding the keys kind of dangling the thing like you know it's that, it's like that it's like that stupid commercial with the guy with the the fishing rod and he's got the the dollar on the end of the hook and the lady's trying to grab the dollar and he's like oh oh you almost had it oh oh try again you know like it's like that where they're they're dangling it in front of you and it looks great but it everything's on their clock everything is in their control and that that creates a very one-sided conversation between the producer and the consumer and it it should be a obviously in a perfect world which we obviously don't live in because i have to drink coke zero because i have to watch my weight that's how you know we're in hard times um but you know you should in a perfect world you should be able to meet in the middle right the people making the product making the game designing the game, showing the game should be able to go to a place like a neutral ground to meet with the people that are going to spread the word about the game to the potential customers, right? And present to them their findings on whether or not you should be giving a crap about this game based on what they were able to show then. And now I do understand, and there is an argument to say that Maybe it's unfair to put that kind of pressure on developers that it creates a culture of, you know, of E3 crunch and this, and the like, oh my God, it's May. What are we going to do? We have to get ready for E3, that type of mentality. But I, I dare to argue that that is a good thing for the industry up to a point right? You don't want it to create an environment where these teams have to slave away and kill themselves in order to create the product and to create the thing that is going to be presented, right? But you also don't want to make an environment where they just, they have the ability, like it it enables publishers to present i don't want to say false in like an in like a accusatory way but a not quite truthful representation of what the product will be there's it's so many layers in between the consumer and the developer that i i feel like that there's more transparency needed and e3 provided that transparency Let's see. I would argue it's almost more intrusive and stressful on the devs because of deadlines. That added stress can lead to more mistakes and a worse product. I 
agree with your first part with your first point cage i do agree that it can create a stressful environment for devs you don't want that like in reality none of us want that no one wants anybody to suffer to make a video game of all things right just as no one should suffer to make movies or tv or any other type of entertainment medium no one should be suffering but on the out on the outside though uh, on the uh, flip side of that though it does put onus on the companies to create a better environment to allow those mistakes to be fixed and to actually create a better product but there were tons of stuff at e3 that were fake trash look at no man's sky so Caddy, you made a really good point and and you're right and it's not to it is not to say that there have not been absolute stinkers that came that, that were presented at E3 as like, oh my God, look at this thing. And then turned out to be absolute garbage. You're you're a hundred percent right. But I would also I would also argue that because of the way that Hello Games presented No Man's Sky, they were making a willful choice to release it in the state that it was in. And it, it like basically they, they told the lie or they showed the lie in this case. And then when it came time, when it, when it came time to actually freaking put up or shut up, they were just like, well, I guess this is what we got. And the thing is, is had that, had that happened 10 years previous in a time when, you could not just patch a game to its actual like 1.0 state or to the state that it should be in. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> Hello games would not exist anymore because no man's sky would have released as a, as a broken bunk ass product that just was what it was in the disc. And that's it. And the thing is, is that there are a lot of companies that went that way. I mean, not a lot. There's not like, you know, there's not an elephant graveyard of devs that, you know, that fucked around and found out. But the only real saving grace that Hello Games had with No Man's Sky was the fact that the internet allowed them to basically patch their game into a semblance of what they promised. Which I will concede the fact that No Man's Sky as it is today is leaps and bounds beyond what they had uh, initially promised. In fact, it's not even recognizable as the game that released in a good way. It's, it has gone way beyond that at this point, but that does not, that does not make me as someone who was suckered in the pre-order in that game, which that's the, that's the game that made me swear to never pre-order ever again. But it was a hundred percent that feeling of like, Oh my God, I got lied to like, and I got mad. Like I, I remember being legitimately mad. I put, I put like, man, probably a dozen hours into that game when it first came out, and then I was like, holy crap, look at this, absolute dog water. Like this is god awful. What the hell, man? And I, oh, I was legitimately mad. But that's not the end. The end all either. Wilson had a great trailer, and release was a letdown. They ended up not being able to patch, save it, and is struggling worse than ever. Exactly. But again, it it comes down to like, sure, do you want to show up and present a thing that you can't deliver on? Like think of the, the Order 1886. Everybody thought that game was going to be this like monumental, like, oh my God, it's going to blow all of our minds. It's going to be cinematic storytelling like they've never seen. Movies are going to go Hollywood. It's it's game over for, for mainstream movies. This is it. Cinematic masterpiece. And then what people didn't realize is that the trailer was the game. Like, they, they got shown the game. And they're just like, oh my God. Like, it is just this very hollow thing. What the hell? And it ended up dying on the vine. That game was a complete disaster. I mean, the same could be said for Anthem. I mean, th there are a lot of, like, you, you get what I'm saying. There are a lot of examples. Now, where my question leads now is this. 
So E3 is probably gone for good. I'm not going to put money on it exactly, but my guess would be that E3 does not come back. There are too many things that can take its place. And with the way that the industry is going now, with the way that the, the especially the big three, where individual companies can present their own message, I don't see it happening. It's just not, there's nothing there for it. The Game Awards will still happen because it ends up being more of a celebration of individuals and of individual games more so than the industry itself as a whole. And I feel like that is a good thing because the way that you inspire like the, the way that you inspire people to do more in an industry is to celebrate individuals and to show that yes, like you can be exceptional at this and your your creation can be recognized and you will be recognized along with it. I don't know. I think E3 is done as a game showcase. It still has a place for a tech world. They just need to adapt expectations. I mean, you're right, Cage, but again, if Nintendo is going to announce a new Switch, they can do it in a direct. There's no reason. I mean, the only reason why CES is still such a thing for like consumer electronics is because they want people like for especially for like, you know, fridges, t- you know, smart TVs, computer monitors, things like that, people want to read reviews before they spend the money. Like no one's going to watch a trailer about a freaking smart fridge. It doesn't tell you anything. Whereas you want to read a person's review that actually got hands on it and got to see the tech and everything like that. I don't think for like hardware and stuff like that, it's really going to to have a place. And if it doesn't have a place for hardware and the games have already been shuffled off by the developers, what's left? At that point, you have PAX, you have Comic-Con, you have so many other conventions that are more geared toward community and geared toward the actual consumers, the actual gamers or or you know the people that make the games coming together to play the games and to experience them that E3 becomes irrelevant. Uh, Catatonic says, I don't think E3 or not, a lot of gaming is baiting people into believing the game is better than it is. Also, the point about devs stressing to make stuff for E3 actually facilita- facilitated fake pitches because of the timeline and their funding being determined by their E3 showings. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I, I mean, I, I, agree, I agree with your point. And I'm not saying that like E3 was this, you know, fire hose of greatness that no no ill could come from. It wasn't. There was a lot of bad things that came out of E3 as far as like, as far as its impact on the industry and on the culture as well. Like, you know, there's two sides of the coin, obviously. But I feel like now that this has shifted, I, and has gone away, I feel like we have less opportunities and less, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, venues, I guess is the word to allow transparency. That's the thing. Like if, and it, and like I said, it's, it's hard to compare it to other industries and stuff because it's so, it's so unique to games. Like if, okay. So the way I'll present the question to you guys is this, and I sort of have a, a bit of a, what's the word? A, a bit of an idea of how to like present the question to kind of make it match up. What analog is there in either movies, TV, or music that would have the same impact as an E3 that if it was taken away, like it, 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 just, it just, it would either you know, be a freaking wet fart or would cause cataclysmic change. Cause like for me, there are all the award shows that go on. Right. So you have like, like I said before the Oscars and you have the Academy Awards, Grammys, things like that. But that's so much after the fact. And I, I guess an analog for music would be like live music. Right. 
if live music like what like when live music went away for the pandemic people got like depressed you know what i mean and it's so much a cornerstone of that culture and when you think of movies right you think of how the uh like how the movie theater experience is kind of dying like i went and took my kids to go see the super the super mario brothers movie in theaters first time i've been in a theater in a year and a half because most of the time i don't like to go to the movies because one it's freaking expensive and two i like to snack when i watch movies and i for me and my kids for a large popcorn and three sodas a large popcorn, three large sodas, and two Dippin' Dots was $60. Not including the tickets. So when movie theaters got kind of shut down, not kind of, but like, you know, weren't <coughs> really doing anything as far as the pandemic was concerned, there were still a lot of people that were like, oh man, I miss going to the movies. And I enjoyed going to the movies like when I took my kids to go see the Super Mario Bros. movie. And that was rad. But that's such a very small experience for me like as an individual. I'm not into that culture, right, of going to the movies anymore. I used to be. But now that I can stream stuff from home, my couch is, is way comfier. My fridge is right there. I can pause and go to the bathroom anytime I want. Won't miss nothing. It's great. Let's see. PK says, South by Southwest, Austin City Limits, Lollapalooza. These are good music equivalents of week-long music venues featuring hundreds of bands. That's a, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about uh, <laughs> I hadn't thought about South by Southwest. Uh, Lollapalooza is actually a really good one. I hadn't thought about Lollapalooza in a long time. And then, yeah, Austin City Limits, that is obviously a little more local. I mean, South by Southwest is as well. But you're right, though. Like, imagine the impact on that musical culture in that area if those just went away, right? That's a that's a big deal for a lot of people. It's that yearly thing they look forward to. But there are but there are all indicators that movies and theaters are actually bouncing back, though. I mean, you're right. Maybe they are, but then again, like, it could also be, it could also be that hard swing the other way from what happened during the pandemic when everybody was inside, you know, you spend like you spend as a society, two years indoors, two years, three years, depending upon whose clock you're actually working with. But you, you know, you spend that much time indoors and suddenly you're like, wait, I can go outside again. Yeah. You just want to go outside and do stuff. And for the people that were missing going to the movies, they are probably going back and forth now. In fact, I have a coworker, that she's one of the few people I've actually known that has it, but it doesn't surprise me she does. She has one of those like movie pass subscriptions where she pays like 20 or $25 a month and she can go and see as many movies as she wants. And that's cool because she loves to go to the movies. So her and her friend, they go to the movies like two or three times a month. And by the time you've gone to see the second movie, you've paid for the subscription at that point, right? So for her, that just makes sense. Now, for me, it doesn't, but that that's what I'm saying, though, is like there there are those things that if you took it away, would it be like hugely detrimental to the culture? I believe so. Like, I don't want movies to go away as a as a means of people going to. Well, sorry, I don't want movie theaters to go away as a means of people going to go going to enjoy movies. I don't want that to go away, even though I don't partake in it. <clears throat> as much as others but if the if it did just suddenly go away it's like nope everything's going to be day and day on netflix and disney plus and so on and so forth and all this jazz some people would hate that let's see yeah austin city limits is like the fourth largest music festival in the world yeah exactly it's very common for international travel for tons of fans and bands yeah, and that's a and that's a, a really good point. Is like there's all kinds of reasons why they should stick around, right? The problem is that I feel like E3 is one of those things that should stick around, but it it's not going to. I it, I just I don't see it. Like there's too many things running against it. And 
it's sad because like to me, E3 is like the Austin city limits or the Lollapalooza of video games. And there, you know, you can make a lot of analogs. You could say that, you know, all, oh, you know, you have packs and you know, you have, uh, you have Gamescom and you have, you know, they do, they do show some video game hardware at CES, but not that much. Um, and then you have a lot of smaller conventions around different places that showcase stuff, but it's not, you know, it's not Lollapalooza. It's not, you know, air quotes, Woodstock. It's just like the same soul's not there. And so there's something being taken from the culture. The thing is, is like, I just, I don't know. I feel like it just kind of got an unceremonious send off and that sucks. Like it was a big deal in a lot of people's lives for a really long time. Then one day it just shriveled up and blew away like dust in the wind. And that blows. And it sucks because it's like, yeah, there are things to replace it, but it's not the same. You know, like anybody can be like, oh man, I love Disney Plus. Yeah, but it's not the Disney Channel. (laughs) And that's probably a really bad example. But like, there was something cool about like watching stuff on a, a specific channel, for example. And I know that a lot of those channels still exist, but like, <clears throat> I don't know many people that still have cable. Actually, I know one person my age that has cable. And I, I don't know. It's just, it feels like so many of those things are just kind of going away. In my opinion, movies have been expensive for our whole lifetime. I think 60 seems like a lot, but I spent over $100 at the grocery store buying half of a week worth of stuff. Everything costs that much. I mean, yeah, you're right, but like, I'm also like, I'm also personally not getting paid that much more. So sixty bucks hurts. <laughs> and I and and hey, man, I feel you. A hundred a hundred bucks for groceries sucks. I just got done. I spent like over three hundred dollars on groceries for me and the kids a couple a couple days ago. And the bad thing is, is like, it wasn't a bunch of like buy snacks and this and that and da da da. It was like. Like the no shit, this is the groceries for the month. And I freaking swiped the car and I was just like, like, it's, I mean, yeah, like the price of stuff has gone up, but like in the, my, my paycheck really hasn't that much. Unless you count 2.1%. Ugh, geez. Anyway. Hmm. I don't know. I just don't want to see more things go the way of the dodo like this. More things that people care about on like the, I keep saying, I keep saying the word culture, but like what I'm getting at is like, it's so much of what people like latch onto whether it's for identity or for a sense of belonging and community, you know, whether it's it's something you work in professionally, there's some type of attachment there and then suddenly it's gone. And yeah, the types of events are still there, but it's not the same thing. You know what I mean? Like it'd be like if you played if you played in the same playground your entire life with your friends while you were growing up and like everything's copacetic and it's cool and you're all having a good time. And then one day they tear it down and they build another park somewhere else in town. Yeah, you can go and play at that park. It probably has all the same, you know, probably has a swing set and monkey bars and stuff like your old playground did. But it's not the same playground. Maybe it has the same things, but... They're not your monkey bars anymore. That That's kind of my point. And I, listen, I have been accused of being overly sentimental with stuff like this and I'll gladly wear that badge. But I think that stuff like this calls for a little bit of, sen- of sentimentality. I don't know. It just kind of bums me out. But at the same time, though, you have to kind of, you know, you have to look forward. You have to look ahead and think to yourself, like, well, what... Like what can come of the, like what can come to fill that gap, right? That's what you have to look at. Okay, well, this thing's gone. What can replace it? Or not so much replace it, but like try and fill that void. And the thing that does give me some cause to hope is the fact that there are a lot of smaller 
shows that really do kind of carry on that same that same vibe, that same feeling. And I feel like those are the ones that you need to like really you need to try and foster and try and uh try and uh ooh, hold on. I got I got my I got thrown off for a second. Try and foster and try and build up so that they can they can grow and they can have more outreach. They can bring those things in, those resources they need, the players they need to be able to create that sense of attraction to, you know, to become the next E3. I feel that most of the void is full. That's why it was, that's why it was dying. That's what Catatonic says in chat. Yeah. I mean, and yes, I, okay. Yeah. I would agree with you that like, they were probably trying to get into his parking space while he, while still parked. It's probably the best way to put it. Swing sets are old. They rust. It breaks. E3 built the ground for what a showcase should look like. However, they didn't let indie devs in. Hades, Binding of Isaac, Risk of Rain. None of these would ever have got a chance to shine. And and you're right. And that's what things like PAX are for. And what has made PAX so successful and such an attraction. People want to see those smaller indie games and everything. You're right. And like I said, I'm not saying that E3 is not blameless in their own demise. They, you know, in a long, in a less than stellar fashion, they basically made their own bed. And it sucks. Real bad. But, I mean, it is what it is, man. But again, all you can do is look forward. And you hope that the the PAXs and the, uh, the CESs not CES. The oh yeah, even CES. Screw it. Why not? I want to know the latest and greatest about smart fridges. <clears throat> um, the Gamescoms of the world, Tokyo Game Shows, things like that. They uh, like now they have their time. I mean, now all they have to worry about is Jeff Keighley destroying all of them. At this point, Jeff Keighley is going to come in and suck the soul out of out of Pax West, and then it's just game over. From there, like after he takes it over, it's just fucking. You're done. Sorry, hate it. I hate it for you. <laughs> but I think with that, we can uh, definitely, you know, say a fond farewell to uh, E3. Like I said, a lot of people were like, "Oh no, it'll be back," and I don't think so. No, and the bad thing is, you're gonna. It's gonna be about two or three years where people are still going to be talking about like, well, you know, are they gonna do it this year? Are they? You know, oh, they might, you know, there's some talk that ESA has been doing this, you know, making some plays and this, that, and a third. People will talk and it's just, it's, and the ESA is going to say something. They'll be like, yeah, man, we're, we're getting things together. People are interested. Um, <clears throat> um, we're uh, getting the shovels. I mean, the coordinators together to, uh, you know, make this happen. But everybody knows. It's, you know, it's like people trying to like not pay attention as they're walking to the wake. Uh, Kay says it was time to go. He had his own niche. Oh, he has his own niche with the Game Awards. Speaking of of uh, Jeff Keighley, it's more beneficial for the industry for E3 to die. I hope so. I hope that E3 walked so that the rest of the industry could run. That's what I'm hoping. All right. So with that, we're going to put a close on that topic. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will uh, be talking some more <clears throat> news. Be right back. All right. I'm an idiot and I didn't turn that down. <laughs> All right. And we are back. So we are done uh, talking about E3. That is dead to us now. It's game over for you fools. I was going to show this IGN uh, article where they talked about. <clears throat> I also had some references, mostly Wikipedia, pulled up. But I don't really need them. Uh, turns out I am completely capable of reading and I can make my own decisions. And what I've decided is that I was going to talk on just what I want to talk about. 
so that was that. But so what are we actually doing here? What are, sorry, I'm getting some stuff coordinated here. So what are we actually doing here? Well, what the show is typically going to be and will be in the future is more of a, just a deep dive on topics and I'm really just trying to bring passionate people in together. I got the original idea for this thing because I was talking with a friend of mine who uh, uh, I had served in the army with and he's been out for a while. We were talking about me retiring soon and how I am trying to figure out which subject I'm going to teach. That's going to be really weird. Really, really weird. The transition from like, hey, you're a professional soldier to like, hey, now you have to deal with fourth graders. That's going to be a, that's going to be a doozy. It'll be fun, but a doozy. But anyway, he has a huge sneaker collection. Um, massive actually. And, uh, I, he just happened to have this one sneaker. It was, a, uh, it was pink, like pink and white. I can't remember exactly which one it was. Was it Tim Duncan? No, not Tim Duncan. Ah, crap. I can't remember the shoe now. Anyway, um, he, I was like, oh, that's a cool looking shoe. And he was like, that is. And he went on to tell me the story about how the guy, man, that really bothers me. Now I need to find this. Hold on. We're going to find this. Well, that's not the guy you want. We're going to find this. We're going to Googleize it. It was, hold on, breast cancer awareness basketball shoes. Ah, these. Was it Steph? Oh, it was these ones right here, actually. It was these shoes. Yep, the aunt, the the aunt pearls. These here, so the Kevin Durant. That's who it was. God, I'm an idiot. Anyway, Kevin Durant's aunt Pearl died of breast cancer, and so he donates uh, money based on the sales of these shoes every year that they are produced. Actually, that's the exact pair that he had too. And um, yeah, and I mean the pink doesn't really do it for me, but anyway, the story was cool. Because he explained to me that, you know, that a portion of the money made from the sale of the Aunt Pearls goes to the Breast Cancer Awareness Society. And, you know, it, it's a it's a really cool thing that he does. But he, like, he knows the stories of those sneakers and, like, how they were produced and, like, like the, the story behind them. He's really big into, like into like shoe culture. He's a, sne- he's a sneakerhead, right? And that is mind blowing to me. I mean, I always knew he loved, you know, sneakers. When we were in Iraq, he bought every pair of knockoff Jordans he could get his hands on because I mean, he'd get them in every color and they were like 25 bucks a pair. And so he said, st- and he still has some of those shoes to this day, but he has a, a huge shoe collection in his garage. It's like, like the way I have these Ninja Turtle action figures up here, how these are like showcased. Like that, that's what he does for shoes. Like he has them hanging and like a display thing in his garage and it's rad. I mean, like you go in there and you're like, shit, there's some cool looking shoes in here, but he knows so much of like that culture. And it's always fascinating to me to sit down and talk to someone that is really into stuff like that, or to be able to have just have a conversation about someone that is like passionate about a thing to the point to where, you know, they spend a lot of time talking about it or they, you know, Maybe they don't know everything about it. Maybe, you know, they don't go to conventions and they don't, you know, follow the latest trends or whatever, but they're just very passionate and they, you know, they know what they know. And those are the types of episodes and the types of, uh, of guests that I'm going to bring on to this show. Some will be live and in person. Um, I do now have a better space to work out of now, which is nice. It's a bit bigger and I can do more with the camera and all that jazz. 
I can set up microphones. I got this nice futon back here to sit on. If I want to get some guests, I already have an idea for like a like a more relaxed stream setup. It's going to be kind of red. But also, you know, friends uh, across the internet, some across the pond. And um, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's definitely going to, it's going to be something different than what I've done in projects previous where I typically talk about video games. And I know I talked about video games tonight because of E3 and everything, but I feel like it's a good place to kick off about what I'm passionate about before I can bring people on and talk about what they're passionate about. It's going to be a good time. I'm also going to have uh, Joey B on eventually, hopefully, probably not next week, but soon to talk because uh, he is, he's a really cool dude and has really opened my eyes up to a lot of different things when it comes to how to create a, like create a brand. Let's go music theory. Yeah. I mean, and, and Joe, Joey's a freaking is a, is a musician. I mean, I'm sure he could talk music for hours, but, and that's the thing. Like I want to talk about those things with people. Cause like, I don't, I, I, I like music. I love listening to music. I'm one of the best carpool karaoke, uh, members you could ever have, but I don't know anything about musical theory. I can't even read sheet music. So like you probably know a million times more than I do cage, but that's the types of conversations that I'm wanting to have and the type of people I want to bring on. And I think it's going to be a good time and we'll make the rules up as we go. Cause I'm not going to sit here and be like, Hey man, like you've got an hour go. Like if the conversation lasts for two hours, three hours, whatever, we'll make it happen. But you know, just trying to trying to do something different, trying to bring in a wider a wider scale of knowledge and a wider scale of interests and hobbies and passions and things. Like I really I need to find someone. The one I really want to go in on with someone and I've wanted to do it for years is like I really want to do an anime episode. I really want to do an anime episode because I have I have my thoughts and my feelings and my opinions on anime and my thoughts and feelings and opinions are not unshared, but they are sometimes controversial. And I really want to bring someone on to talk anime with me and just to really just to dive in deep, just to really just freaking just to paddle that boat up that river at breakneck speed until until we fling ourselves into the ocean. And drown in the anime, drown in the waifu tears, as it were. But um, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna belabor the first episode because phew, there's just no point in that. But I think this is a good one. I think it's turned out well, aside from my uh, transitional issues. But that's because I have my fancy dancy, uh, not stream deck really nice keyboard here and actually accidentally hit the wrong button, but <clears throat> we'll deal with that later. Great different episode genres of things that create movies and why, and why they, and why they bomb. Oh, like video game movies. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. I mean, I'll definitely take suggestions on stuff. Or, or or anime live adaptations. Yeah, that's a well. That's gonna be saved for. That's a long one. That's a long one. But anyway, that is gonna do it for this. I want to thank uh, everyone that showed up in the chat and said what's up, and uh, for showing up. If you are watching this on YouTube or you're listening to this on your podcast feed. Uh, catcher of choice, make sure to go over and check out blindknowledge.com or blind knowledge on YouTube to check out all of the different variety of shows they have there and more episodes of this show. There will be more episodes of this show. I promise. Um, for the live streams, you're going to have to come over here over to kick and, uh, <clears throat> kick it with me as it were. I'm never doing that pun again. No more, no more kick jokes. I've heard so many kick jokes in the last 
24 hours. Yeah, well, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, just head over there and uh, check that out. I'm also wanting to try and like just do different segments on the show. I don't know. I was inspired by Jeff Gersman because he's doing a he's doing a ranking of energy drinks, and he ha- he has like seventy something energy drinks. <coughs> excuse me, on that list, it's nuts. He's had stuff mailed to him from Europe, all kinds of crap. So I'm thinking like I don't know sodas, candy bars. Uh, types of gel pins. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at uh, different forms of, uh, of content to put into this thing just to keep it spicy and just so it's not me droning on and on forever. Plus that way I can, you know, shoot out some uh, interesting factoids at y'all. But anyway, that is going to do it for the show. Thank you all very much for coming through. I love you all. Have a great night. Enjoy your weekend. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Bye-bye.